This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Everybody, welcome to Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host Shane Told. Right now, it is my birthday, February thirteenth. Uh, I was born in nineteen eighty one, so do the math really quick. Yes, it's my thirty fifth birthday, and I am chilling in Las Vegas. Uh, I'll be honest; uh, my head doesn't feel super awesome this morning. Uh, it's been a bit crazy. We just got here, uh, Wednesday night and, uh, uh, it's fun, man. I'm here with my girlfriend and also my best friend and his wife. So, you know, so it's kind of just a crazy party with my best friend and my girlfriend and I am having a blast. So, uh, I found a little time to, uh, record this. Uh, I, I didn't want to take the week off. We had two amazing episodes the last two weeks with, uh, Spencer and Aaron of Under Oath. And today we have a great show again. Uh, I sit down with my friend Telly from The Word Alive. Just a great dude, and I've known him since, well, apparently I've known him since he was in his old band, In Fear and Faith, but I don't remember meeting him. We talk a little bit about that. But we did a tour back in 2009, and we have been bros ever since. Recently, Telly uh, went to jump in the crowd, you know, the stage dive, which uh, can be ill-advised, and in his case, it did not go so well. Uh, He broke his back fully. Uh, and somehow they got through the rest of the tour without canceling any shows. So that was something I really wanted to ask them about. Uh, and they got a new album coming out, and uh, The Word Alive, you know, just just a really, really great newer band. So yes, it is my birthday, and last week I said, you know, hey, if you want to send me some money or some gift cards, and guess what? Nobody did it. But hey, that's okay. Uh, I don't care. Um, but if you do want to send me anything... Uh, whether it's related to my birthday or just in general, we're going to set up a Lead Singer Syndrome P.O. box too. And uh, if you guys want the the address for that, uh, just email me and I'll send it back to you. Uh, and while we're on it, if you want to email me just how you like the show, suggestions for the show, whatever it is, 
that email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Also, we got the hate line, 657-666-HATE. We're going to have a hate line episode pretty soon where I roll the clips, so make them good. Uh, I really want the hate. I love that shit. All right, so when you're listening to this, Valentine's Day has already passed. Hopefully, you use the Amazon link to buy uh, your significant other uh, a very, very lovely Valentine's Day gift. If you didn't and you need to buy her a second one or him a second one, go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. And what that does, it pulls up the Amazon homepage. You log in as usual and anything you buy, 4% of it goes directly to the show. And it costs you nothing. So that's a great way you can support the show. Also, word of mouth goes a long way. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. They might even like it. My mom and dad will listen to this. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. <laughs> so it's all good. In other news, Silverstein going on tour. Silverstein.soundrink.com to get VIP tickets or regular tickets. Uh, we're doing pizza parties on this tour for the VIP. Uh, we're doing, you know, it's, it's always a party with Silverstein. We're going out with Being as an Ocean, Amorosa, Cold Rain, all the way from Japan, and this awesome new band called Rarity. So it's a great lineup. It's going across Canada and throughout the U.S., uh, and I believe it starts like February 24th, so very soon. So go get your tickets, silverstein.soundrink.com. Also, I have a solo project, River Oaks, riveroaksmusic.com. Check that out. And lastly, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, make sure this podcast goes directly to your phone or whatever you listen to uh, podcasts on. And uh, make sure you check us out on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, we're on all that stuff. Anyways, let's jump into it. I will talk to you after my conversation with Telly Smith of The Word Alive. How's it going, Telly? It's going really good. How are you, Shane? Dude, good. You don't sound that good. You sound a little like, <laughs> did you just wake up or something? Um, no, I've been up for a little while, um, but you're, you're the first person other than my dog that I have spoken to today. So, <laughs> Your dog, Colby Jack. That's yes. right, right? Yep. She's See, staring. I follow you on social media, so I know all about your, uh, about your pet <laughs> and your Beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, you're kind of the dude. Like, I was talking to um, uh, Pierre from Simple Plan, and we were talking about him being like very private on his social media and stuff. You're totally the opposite. Yeah. I think a big part of it is like, I've just always kind of been that way. It's not like Pierre has anything to hide, but you know, like some people are just like, like that. You know, they don't. They yeah. don't put themselves out there in that way, and that's awesome. And, uh, you know, everything – everybody has that thing that works for them. For me, like, I mean, I just – I have a lot of things that I enjoy that I do, and it, it would be hard for me to put myself out there and not include, like, you know, the things that make me me. So – yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to share the things that are in your life with, with kind of everyone. You yeah. want to shout it from the mountaintops. Exactly. Yeah. It's beautiful. So where are you right now? Are you in, where are you even living? Uh, I live in Los Angeles. Um, okay. So I'm just at home right now and just enjoying my weekend. That's nice. Very nice. 
no, I know. Um, I know you grew up in Ohio, but then mm-hmm. I think when we met, you were living in like San Diego, and then you were in Vegas for a bit. Yeah, I've I've bounced around, <laughs> and of course Arizona too. I know you. I, I think your band is from Arizona, right? So what's the yeah. what's the story there? Why are you Why are you living in so many places? Um. I mean, I guess just trying to search for uh, what works and where I enjoy living. When I grew up in Ohio, I moved when I was 20, and I moved to Oceanside, so right by San Diego. Um, and that is near the first time uh, we ever met was a long, long time ago, but we didn't really like know each other back then. So that's... Six. What do we? What, what was almost, that? That's almost. It's almost nine years ago. When did we play, when was uh, that? When did we meet? Uh, when I was in a band called In Fear and Faith. Yes. And uh, it was just like more so in passing, and I pretty much just like uh, fanboyed a little bit, and I was <laughs> like, I was like, hey man, like huge fan of Silverstein, and um, you know, just love what you're doing, and you're like, cool man, cool, and. Uh, and then that was that was like basically about it. And then we uh, obviously when I joined the Word Alive and our second tour ever was with you guys. Yeah. So oh, yeah. um, then obviously we got to know each other a little bit more. That was 2009, so seven years ago. I can remember that tour very well. It doesn't. It doesn't feel that long ago, man. It does not. It does not feel that long ago. And I tell. I try to explain certain things like tours and stuff like that sometimes. They feel like it was yesterday, but then last week when I was like having lunch with my friend, like I'm like, oh, that was last week. I feel like that was like months ago. I know it's so bizarre. So, it, um, yeah, it's a weird uh, mental trick. Well, the other, the fucking weirdest thing, and I don't know. I mean, you're you're a bit of a hard drinking dude. I mean, once in a while. Um, yeah, I can <laughs> let loose. I um, so I've decided to go sober for January. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, kind of nice. And what is it today? <laughs> Today's the 10th, right? So I've done 10 days now. Yeah. And, How do you feel? Dude, longest 10 days of my life. <laughs> like, but it, so I'm so I'm like, damn, like, like, cause it was, uh, it had been a week since like New Year's and it's like, holy crap, man. Like time goes by very slow when you're sober. And then I was talking to some other people though, and everybody's kind of saying the same thing. Like, no, no, it's like just the beginning of the year is always like that. And it's always like, everyone's like, yeah, New Year's feels like so long ago. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I digress, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel that I took two months off uh, last year oh, good. and, um, like September, October pretty much. And, um, I felt great. Like I, it, I did it for two reasons. Mostly though, was we were about to go, we were going to like Australia, New Zealand, Europe, US, all in one run. Yeah, and that's as you know a lot of flying, and for singers, it's like your your nightmare is to go into all those different time zones. Your sleeping schedules all over the place, but you're just trying to like you know wake up your voice and all that stuff. So I was like, this is about to be a brutal run, and I have had trouble at times getting sick during that time of the year. So right. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna test out this no drinking thing, and. I felt great. I didn't get sick once, cool. even though everyone in my band did. So I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe. But, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I really like beer. So um, it, 
I don't think it'll ever be like a permanent thing. No, but... it's definitely not a permanent thing for me. I mean, I got my yeah. birthday. Um, I got my birthday in the middle of February, and I'm going to like Vegas. It's my 35th birthday. I'm going to Vegas with my best friend. So it's going to be like I know I'm going to get crazy then. So this is just yeah. sort of like knowing that's going to happen, <laughs> you know. So it kind of averages out to a moderate amount. Yeah, uh, yeah, but no, but dude, I do, I feel great, man. Ten days in, I feel great, and I now I feel like month will be easy like no problem at all but the first couple yeah. days and i'm sure it was like a little bit in my head too i was like damn dude i don't know man this is like am i an alcoholic <laughs> well, and, and, and like you know i don't know what's the like, definition of an alcoholic hey. maybe i am well and too like for me it's like you know when me and my girlfriend when we're trying to like take it easy for a couple days and kind of recover um you know, it, it's hard because when your friends are like Hey, like this is going on tonight. You want to come here? Or you want to have a drink? Or hey, I'm right down the street um, at like our favorite bar. I know you want to come. And it's just like, damn it! Like even when you're trying to like have those nights, sometimes it just kind of pulls you in. So it's, it's absolutely true. Well, last night, you know, speaking of which, of last night was my best friend's thirtieth birthday. Oh, so I was like the designated driver completely sober i didn't have a i'm my whole thing i'm not even gonna have like one drink or one sip of one drink like i'm going full on and it was pretty gnarly dude like to be there completely stone cold sober when in like 10 years of knowing the guy i don't think i've ever spent a night with him where we didn't like crack a couple at least um but it was (laughs) but you know what the the awesome thing is like i had some great conversations with people that i'm gonna actually remember um you know and it's like it's it's kind of it was actually I had a lot of fun, you know, and I maybe you didn't think I was going to be able to. So it was it kind of taught me something. So, yeah, so it's good. Well, hell yeah. You were saying that you went sober because of your voice. Um, is it do you find like you have a lot of problems uh, with health and stuff on the road? Um, not particularly anymore, but like and it's nothing that is like drastically affects um, my singing per se, but it's more like, you know, I'll get a cold. And as you know, it's like, you can sing, but you just aren't singing the way you want to. And, you know, you just don't have the, I like to have like total control of my voice, like the multiple tones, the multiple like techniques and -hmm. like, you know, just trying to really, you know, put on a memorable show it's like some, when you're just drained and you feel like dog shit and then it's like, you got to get hyped up, you know, for the show, then you're just like, sometimes the last thing you want to do is get on stage. And so I just hated feeling that way and run down more than anything else. And so I, I mean, I just, I chose not to just when we were doing like all the international stuff pretty much. Yeah. And then when we got back in the States, obviously that, changed and um when i saw you obviously in st louis we had a couple and um, yeah we did you know just just things like that where like i in the states where you have a lot of friends that you come across through random states cities it's like you know you want to go out and have a beer or two with your buddy and you, you know i think it's a little different than you know when i was like flying everywhere and i'm not seeing anyone i know so it's just kind of like eh whatever Sure, man. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned In Fair and Faith because um, I don't think I ever – we ever played any shows with In Fair and Faith, like all the different incarnations they had. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. They had so many different band members and, and everything. But one yeah. thing that I've heard is 
that that in fear and faith was like one of the hardest drinking like partying bands like of all time uh yes they like, i mean the they stories i heard was it was like <laughs> gnarly yeah i didn't i didn't fit in very well like we're all like well not all everyone you know how it can go with past members and different things like that but they had a lot so i won't say everyone gets along but sure. i was i was the first one pretty much to leave and it was because they were going at like such a crazy pace and i actually broke my ankle like the first day of tour one tour and i got pneumonia on the tour and i st- like i stayed i didn't miss any shows and i was just like the it was the most brutal tour of my life. We were in a conversion van with like nine people. And <laughs> so like I would be laying down just hoping to sleep to get better. And it would just be like a party in the van. And so I was just like, all right, like, you know, I can't sing and do good, you know, if I'm sleeping like three hours a night. And it, they were just young and in a stage where tour was more a means to party than right. it was to like progress musically that's and, like what i heard about the band was that pretty much it was like drinking number one <laughs> music a distant second yeah and which, it's not that they're bad it was just they literally they love to party and you know right. there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that i guess you know well this it, is this is the lead singer syndrome podcast so i'm sure like Eventually, I'm going to have uh, somebody on there that's going to tell me some, like, fucking, uh, you know, crazy drinking groupie stories. It hasn't uh, happened I'm, yet, but... Yeah, I, I mean, they wouldn't be uh, far off to uh, to <laughs> to have some stories, that's for sure. That's great, man. So that was, like, the first band that you joined, right? I mean, you grew up in Ohio. Yeah. Um, let's start from the beginning. Like, um, So you grew up... What was your upbringing like in... Uh, in Dayton, Ohio, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, in a, a suburb called Kettering, um, which We've is where there. yeah, you've probably played the attic. Um, oh yeah, that's that, that attic. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was talking to um, to Caleb um, on the very first podcast about that venue. We couldn't yeah. think of the name. Yep, and the then attic. It was like big Christian. Yeah, the attic. That place is like kind of legendary in that area, isn't it? Yeah, it was for a long time. Like that's where like Prada really got their start. That's where Hawthorne Heights got like their yeah. start. Yeah. Um, and John Kilby was the promoter's name, the owner of that venue, and he kind of uh, you know, he didn't take care of the bands, and you know, wasn't always honest with agents and just different things like that so he kind of ran it into the ground um i'm surprised it lasted as long as it did with you know once i was touring and i learned a little bit more about you know settling and how all that stuff works and seeing like some of the loopholes he would find to basically make more money for himself and it just you know it caught up with them and they had to close but that was like my venue i went um sure there for a shit ton of shows and i saw like like we're about to play with zayow from uh on a so what fest they're doing like a reunion and i went and saw them and norma jean that's you talk about a band with member changes man zayow has the The most most, like the most ever (laughs) is it anyone i think the drummer 13 or 14 it's like a drummer was the last original member i remember and i don't even know if he's in the band anymore no well now they're 
oh, they're having this reunion, and I know okay. at least two of the longest standing members um, right. are doing it, but I honestly don't even know what lineup they're choosing to reunite as. So, I mean, I'll, I'll find out soon enough. But dude, like, I it, forgot, I forgot about Zayo, man. I used to yeah. love fucking jam that band, dude. Yeah. They were like. I never really thought about this, but they're kind of one of the pioneers of that genre for sure. Yeah, they were the first band with screaming I ever heard in my entire life. And Crazy. and I was like, I don't know if I hate this or if I love this. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it does something to me. It like makes me feel something that I haven't before. And um, they actually like got me you know, into... Well, Norma Jean, Norma Jean was ludicrous, and then yeah, became yeah. Norma Jean, and so I got into them. I got into Deftones and Corn, and like that whole wave of stuff where I like discovered like the underground first, and then I was like, okay, there's some mainstream bands that are kind of you know like this, a little more mm-hmm. polished, obviously now um, looking back, but. You know, to me, it was just kind of all like they all fit together, and um, and then I branched out from from there, and I learned about you know like Bayside, about Silverstein, about you know all these bands that had a little bit more melody to them, but still had you know their heavy parts, and sure. I was like, and I was like, this is like the best of both worlds because I I mean I grew up classic rock and. My dad is like a huge like Eagles fan, Steve Miller band, Boston, right. like just all stuff like that. So I grew up with like that and I love singing along. That's like what gave me my love of singing was classic rock. And um and then my mom listened to like Hootie and the Blowfish, Celine Dion, <laughs> just like so that I mean, but we all sang. Like my dad sang all the time, my mom sang all the time. Um they were both really good singers and, but I didn't think of them as singers. I was just like, it was to me, it was just riding in the car and we would sing. Yeah. yeah, My dad had a karaoke machine and we would, you know, sing for fun, but I never like thought of it as performing or anything like that. Like, and so some people, you know, they'll ask me like, Oh, when did you start singing? I'm like, well, I mean, I've been singing my whole life, but once I realized that it was actually something that people did like professionally and that that might be a cool thing to try, it wasn't until I was like 15, 16 where I even started thinking about the possibility of like being in a band myself. So it, w- it wasn't until later on and I didn't even join my first local band until I was 17. And, oh yeah, wow. wow. And so I got, I got a little bit of a, a late start on things, and, but I made up for it. Uh, quickly um i was in a local band from dayton called march and collapse that played with like prada and like all the all the big national bands that like came through dayton like we play we opened up for a bunch of them and then that's how i met um the guys that became amorosa they used to be corsets or cages before they signed to rise and they actually took me on my first tour ever and i was I drove, I did merch, and I was trying to learn the guitar parts to become the second guitar player because they had recently lost someone and they just wanted like a friend who would, you know, play the parts. And so I I went out on tour with them. I quit my job. I dropped out of school 
and uh, or college, and um, that was March of 2007. And right. I I loved it. Like I love being on tour, but they at the time were going through some lineup changes themselves, and you know they lost their singer Chris. And they didn't know if the band was even going to continue. And I was like, well, I just dropped out of college. I quit my nice yeah. paying job. Like, and um, I was like, I want to keep making music. So I packed everything music related in a suitcase and put it all in my car. And I drove to California to try to like make it in the industry. And that, and, was, and that was when you met up with In Fear and Faith. Yeah. Yeah, because I like looking at your... Looking at your history, um, it really seems like you were just this desperate kid from Ohio that was like willing to do anything to be, you know, like in a band. It there's like pieces of it that like felt that way, but like for me, I always had like it was just like a goal. It's like this is what I knew I wanted to do, so it was just like okay, well, I, there's nothing left for me here in Ohio. I have to leave. Yeah. And the, the best opportunity that I saw that I thought that I would be good for was in fear and faith. So I, I drove out all the way across. I didn't even tell my family. I didn't say goodbye to anyone, not my, not my girlfriend, not my parents. Not, well, my mom was already in California because um, she had moved out there. But I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I just left because I'm the kind of person like, family is like my soft spot so if i would have like talked to them like maybe one of them would have talked me out of it right so that's what i totally was gonna ask you yeah that was so the reason i was like i just gotta i just gotta go and so i called my dad and my brothers like once i was there and i was like oh, i think i'm gonna be out here for a couple weeks i just needed a break um to get away from things and um it ended up i didn't come home for like a year and a half and yeah. um and but I went out with In Fear and Faith, and we did an EP. I had you know that bad experience, and I was like, well, I'm I'm just not the kind of person that just does something because I want to do it. Like if I'm not happy, then I'm not gonna keep doing it. So I was like, well, this isn't for me. I'm sure someone else would love to be in this position, but this isn't for me. So I I left the band and. Then, like at the same time, I actually was getting hit up by the manager of um, oh, what band was it? Greeley Estates. Uh, Greeley Estates, yeah. And he would he was having me try out though first for uh, Bless the Fall. And oh, really? Yeah. And oh, so okay, that's really interesting because um, actually this um, week, I guess. Well, I don't know when this is going to go on, but the the next episode of this show. Um, was with Bo from Bless the Fall. Oh yeah. So so that's super super interesting that you were also trying out for for that band because he explains how that whole thing went down for him. So, yeah, it's uh this so this would have been almost two years before no maybe a year before Bo ended up joining because Jared took over just like screaming and then Eric did all the singing um, and then they yeah, had a couple. I, I was th that was guys. my idea. <laughs> To oh, do that because really? they were on tour with us and i just explained this to on the bow podcast but uh we were on tour in europe and craig mabbit left mm -hmm. yeah yeah and fucked off and part of it was that i was it was i was being selfish because i we didn't wouldn't have a support band if they went home and i was like <laughs> jared you know you can scream 
Eric, you can sing, you know, and I, I thought they actually might even continue that doing that moving forward. And then they were kind of like, nah, let's be real. We need like a, a real singer. So, um, and it, I know they auditioned like 50 people or something. Yeah. They, so yeah. They, the 50 they auditioned a bunch of, bunch of people and I was like close in like the running for things, but it's funny because one, they liked, you know, my, my singing, but I couldn't really scream and they had just come from having Craig who who could do both. And at right. first they were really like dead set on like the, whoever it is has to do both and which, you know, understandable. And so I, I didn't get it. Um, and, but Bo still wasn't in the picture yet. So they'd gone, they yeah. were just going through stuff. And um, they were leaning more towards, um, I can't remember who it was, but some other guy from Texas. And so I ended up, the manager was like, well, hey, like, I came, I've seen you in In Fear and Faith live. You obviously tried out for this. I, Greeley Estates is looking for a bass player who can sing. And I heard that you can play, like, guitar and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I can. And he was like, well, would you be interested in um, going to Arizona and, um and trying out for them and my tryout was i had to learn 16 songs in like eight days or something like that (laughs) and and because they were about to have a headlining um cd release show and they didn't have a bass player and i was like oh my god so and i hadn't played like guitar much for about a year and a half before that or let alone and i never played bass i never played bass before in my life and <laughs> so i bought i uh, sold a bunch of shit bought a bunch of bass gear and um i learned to the best of my abilities i somehow pulled it off and it it was the singing was like the the common denominator of all of this like right. the singing was like what they were like okay well you can definitely sing and no offense to, you know, bass players like yours and mine, you know, everyone's in, integral and, in, you know, the sound of a band. But their mentality was, it's just bass. If you miss a couple notes or you don't get it, like, as long as you sing good, no one will notice. Right. And, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the funny thing about that is next to the drummer, like, stopping playing, I think the bass is the most obvious. Yes. You know, oh, like, if you're 100%. watching a band and all of a sudden the bass player stops playing or whatever you're just like what the fuck happened like is the did the pa like uh, stop yeah working? you you feel it you hear it you sense the, the power just gets sucked out yeah. so it, it was funny that they they had that mentality because now you know like i was saying like i like i don't believe that um you know now when when daniel's playing bass for us if if his bass goes out i'm just like son of a bitch like oh and yeah I, it kills, I the, actually, kills the vibe yeah and i follow a lot of bass stuff with like my melodies because it's just kind of like the heart of the song and so that's like where i kind of subliminally focus on especially yeah. since the guys play a lot of lead stuff um it's like for me like the bass really like pulls everything together well yeah well the bass is playing the root note right yeah so a lot of i've heard a lot of singers do that like listen to the bass you know to kind of find their their notes more more so than the guitars which which does make sense yeah yeah so 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 you you join this band not being not ever playing bass in your life you literally (laughs) sold some shit to get bass gear and yeah. so I'm going to go back to that other question. Like you def- definitely were like desperate to be in a band. 
Yeah, you know, like I just I I knew it was what I wanted to do, and I was just searching for I guess the right one. You know, like the right. the the perfect fit for me. And and I loved being in Greeley. Um, so to this day, I love those guys. Um, we talk. Like I see Ryan when I go, uh, the singer I, when I go to oh, Arizona. Yeah, I know I know them very well. Ryan's yeah. a great dude. And and you know, just it it was the it was the easiest band I've ever been in. Like there was yeah. never one time. No one ever got in a fight the entire time I was in the band. No one like disrespected someone else. Everyone was just like very much like friends first and then everything um came after that and those dudes are pretty old man like, yeah they were old they're i was older i was they're older years. than now uh, than we are yeah yeah uh ryan now he's getting pretty up there he's he's he he's uh but he doesn't look it he looks just as young if not younger than than us he always has been that guy well, really funny thing about that band quickly, we first time we ever played Arizona, this was in oh, 2003, I guess, and uh, Greeley Estates were like the local band on the show, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say anything bad about them, but they were like, they were like horrible, <laughs> like, like they were really, really bad. Yeah. Um, like they didn't know, it was like they didn't know how to play, you know? Yeah. And they, they kind of had the aesthetic and whatever, and like the kids didn't seem to notice. But I was like, man, this band is this band is not not good at all. <laughs> so you know, hung out with them, super nice guys, and they uh, they gave me like a CD, which I think I have, which they probably would never want to see the the light of day. <laughs> uh, and and I remember talking to them, and and they like were basically like, yeah, we met in college, yeah, whatever Arizona college, and we just like started playing guitar. Like, so they're like, yeah, like I just learned to play guitar like six months ago. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it's, it was really funny to me because they had this mentality, like we're going to do it and we know what to do. And, and they definitely had the aesthetic. And then like fast forward, I mean, two years, maybe I started hearing about them and I, you know, and I was like, that's crazy that this same band, this like awful local band actually is decent and actually is, you know, doing stuff. Yeah, and it's like a real testament. It's like that kind of um, fake it till you make it, you know, <laughs> it idea. De- it was I and it coming like full circle with them. I played with them in two thousand seven uh, or no two thousand six with my local band. Um, we opened up for them, so I met them years before i ended up actually meeting them and like trying out for them and i reminded them of the show and they like remembered the whole show and everything i can't remember i think it might have been in kentucky but it was at this venue that was an old um like uh film theater and it had like seats in it and they would play like horror movies on the screen um while the bands were playing and it was just this little maybe like 300 cap venue um really grimy sound was horrible but it was like the kids went crazy and were like jumping (laughs) off chairs and stuff yeah and so like we have like that this sort of connection and i've always even though i was younger i think i was 21 or 22 i was 21 i think when uh when i joined Greeley. um i've always been kind of like a little bit of not an older soul, but like I've always fit in more with people older than me than younger than me. And yeah. so even though I was the young one in the band um, and the new guy, 
I really related to them in a lot of ways because they weren't really like party, but they were like, let's get drunk, but just like as dudes going to a bar, have fun and come back. It wasn't like, let's invite a ton of girls. Let's get, you know, fucked up and not even be able to play a show tomorrow. It was just like, have a really good time and enjoy like, you know, hanging out with your boys. So, right. So I guess after in fear and faith though, I mean, anything it, it was, been, yeah, it was very mellow. tame. Yeah. Very yes, tame. Yes. And, uh, so, I mean, we had a great time, uh, played warp tour for the first time ever. Uh, this is 2008. Um, we went out on tour with one, still one of my favorite tours was, uh, with August Burns Red, um, and that fall. And so while I was on warp tour though, I get a call from Mike who used to be in bless the fall. And he was yeah, like, Mike Frisbee. Yeah. And, and so he, we had practiced Greeley and bless the fall practice in the same practice studio, um, in Arizona. And so they heard me, you know, like singing and jamming with Greeley and they, when they said no to me, they judged it off of a recording that I had done in California. And so when they heard me singing live, like with Greeley at practice and we got to know each other and we were hanging out and became friends, Uh they were like, we want you to join the band. Like, uh, like I used to have a cell phone with it that, um, you know, I still have the text from Mike that he was like, if you fly home from Warp Tour right now, you will be in Bless the Fall. And, um, and I was like, dude, like, I love you guys. Like, singing is where my heart is and what I want to do. I can't just quit in the middle of a tour. Like, I was like, I can't. Right. And, and I'd never done Warp Tour before. So it was like a huge accomplishment for me to go from the first national band I ever played in in 20 and a year later I'm on warp tour and you know, we were doing very well. And so it was just kind of like a whirlwind year and a half for me. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And he was like, well, we have to fill the spot. And so he's like, it's pretty much like now or never. And I was like, I just can't do it. And like three or four days later, Bo tried out and Bo, um, you know, unanimously got the spot and it was, it was a perfect fit for them. And I'm glad that I didn't because that led me to meeting the guys that are Tony and Zach from the word alive. Yeah. And, and that's, it was at the time, especially it was like much more like up my alley of like what I really like when I heard the word alive for the first time, I was like, this is rad. I was like, this is different. This feels fresh. Like there's something here that like, it gives me that feeling of when you discover a band for the first time that you really like. And so I was just like, this is awesome. And then maybe a couple months after that, um, at the tail end of the August Burns Red tour, Zach hit me up and was like, Hey, um, we, we need a singer. The guys want you to try out. Um, just if you're interested. And I, I tried out and, um, I had, you know, let Greeley know in kind of an unfortunate situation. I I stepped down from Greeley like two days before we left for tour. Um, but I already the guy who was battling me to join the band, he already yeah. knew all the same songs. He actually is like a, an amazing guitarist and bass player and just all around musician. And he was like, I will, I'll fill in for you at the very least. Like if they really, you know, enjoy me on tour, yeah. then who knows? Like he really wanted to be in Greeley and they were going like way heavier as, you know, 
everyone found out later on, but I knew when I quit that they were becoming pretty much like almost like a death metal band. And <laughs> so I was like, I want to sing. So this right. just isn't for me. And but the word alive, but that's interesting because the word alive, I mean, is, were you screaming at all at this point? No, I, I couldn't really scream at all. And I, I learned how to scream. It's kind of the fake it till you make it thing. I, yeah. I faked my way through screaming um, it, because their PA system where I tried out was so bad that you kind of could. And I got the spot and then it wasn't until we went to record the first demo in the word alive that they were like, uh, I thought you could scream. And I was like, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't. And, uh, so, and I had already tracked all the singing. And so it was like, we were already in there. And so we're doing this song and this is for fearless to potentially get signed. <laughs> and, and they're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like they wanted to kill me. And, but Tony was like really patient and he was like, Hey, like, I believe that you can figure this out. Right. The, the producer said, you have two days. Like, go learn how to scream, pretty much. And I was like, okay, I've tried to scream for years. Literally from the time I first heard, like, heavy music, I tried to, like, scream in my car. I couldn't. I blew out my voice in the first, like, 30 seconds, almost always. Just like so many fans tell me nowadays. And I'm like, yep, right. I was there. I, I know exactly what you feel like. Um, yeah. And But it was just, I went into the practice space with Tony, and as silly as it sounds, he just played a shit ton of, like, breakdowns over and over again. And I just, like, kept trying things, and I kind of stumbled across it. And he was like, that. He was like, do that again. And I did it and then i just the rest is history i just like learned how but that's also why i struggled so much early on in our career with singing and like maintaining my singing voices because i was actually learning how to scream the whole time like every show was like me trying to figure it out more and more and you know now i can scream without losing my voice but back then it was just like i was just thrown into touring full time and not really knowing what to do yet. And right. it was well, a that's struggle. something we have in common. I mean, we're both guys that do, you know, a fair share of screaming and singing. Mm -hmm. And I was the same way, actually. I, I started out as a singer, completely singer. I didn't think I could scream either um, until, you know, even the first Silverstein demos, I didn't really know how to s scream at all. It was kind of like a weird yell I would do. It mm -hmm. sounded terrible. And then um, <laughs> when we got uh, well, Neil, who's, you know, you, you know Neil, our old yeah. guitar player, he came into the band with like a more of a metal thing, more of a metal um, influence. Mm -hmm. And um, there's actually my first scream ever uh, that I ever did in my life is recorded on a cassette tape because we uh, we had this this song. It's like da na 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 na. And then there, I let it rip, and it was like the first one I ever did. That's <laughs> and, sick. Uh, so it's funny, and but it's true. Like, it was kind of like it was screaming, and I try to tell people this. It's like, because you know, I'm sure it's the same with you, but kids ask me all the time, like, "How do you do it?" And I'm like, "I don't really know." And it's like, mm -hmm. what, it's just this sort of thing that like it clicks, and then it's there. Yeah, exactly. And then once you find that that like that thing you can kind of start manipulating it and you know and then now i'm like yeah i can do like a lower one or a higher one or whatever but like 
it's finding that first place. Would you agree yep. with me? That's kind of oh, what it is. Oh, completely. That's exactly what it is. And it's like, it, and it is kind of like singing, but I view it more as like, it's like when you're a baby and you like have to learn to talk and then you put words to it and then you understand pitch and you, you know, you yell louder, you yell softer, you just like understanding your voice. Well, screaming is kind of the same way as talking or singing to where you can work out that muscle and sing higher, sing a little lower, yeah. sing more aggressively, you know, whatever the case may be. Screaming is the same way. Like, I started where I could do pretty much just like almost a monotone, like kind of what most people consider is like a mid-range scream. That's like all I could do. So Mm -hmm. Empire and Deceiver, our first two releases, I do anything that's like mid. And then Zach would do like lows and highs. And, Uh. And then we would like kind of like mix those in so it gave the perception of more range and depth to the screaming. And then, but I was the whole time like practicing, working, f- trying to figure out like, how the hell do you scream high? Like, and how do you scream super low? Like, and it wasn't because I like <clears throat> wanted to particularly sound like something. I just, it, once I start something, I just want to figure it out to the best of my abilities. And so I was just like, okay, well there's things that other people are doing that I can't do. So I want to learn how to do that. Cause it sounds cool. And that's just where you take it from there. It's just, you have to find that starting point of what works for you and then just keep pushing it, expanding it, you know, and just experimenting with your mm-hmm. voice. And it, it's a fun process. It's a frustrating process. Because oh, I would yeah. have like months where I wasn't doing anything different. And then all of a sudden, one day, something would happen almost on accident. And I'd be like, oh, that's how I make that sound or do that. And, and then it yeah. clicks. And then you, yeah, it's true. It, you just keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, my scream has evolved too. I mean, you know, I, our first record, I don't even know what's going on. Like my scream is <laughs> kind of hilarious sounding, um, you know, and, and it's evolved over time. And, um, and I think that that's okay. You know, and so yeah. my singing has too. And, and, and yeah, that's. That's cool. Do you were you worried when you started screaming that um, you would, your singing voice would suffer? Because I mean that was that was and maybe still is kind of where your real you know passion lies. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, especially when it was when when I was losing my voice, like it was very disheartening to say the least. And you know when the guys would be frustrated with me or like bummed out, and I didn't sing good for a show. I would really take it to heart. Um, And and especially being early on touring, like, and I had toured before, but no one else in the world alive had before they joined. So they didn't really understand quite yet the, that touring is hard and touring in a van (laughs) for, you know, being a singer. And if you drive all night long and you don't sleep that the next day, you're just not going to sound as good. And it's, you know, that's something that we learned later on. And luckily the guys all figured out and respected, you know, the boundaries of what I could and could not do off stage that also helped my voice. And they've always, you know, been supportive of that, um, since then. But early on, I mean, it was, I would, I would go on stage with zero confidence because I knew that either I didn't have a voice or I was going to lose it. And it was, you know, it was very, very frustrating, um, for me, especially when our second two ever, we were with you guys and you were killing it every night. And the, the band's pretty much just like, well, Shane's doing it. Why can't you do it? 
And, oh, uh, shit. Sorry, dude. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> <clears throat> and, but it's like, that's just growing pains of being in a band that everyone's relatively inexperienced. You know, you're going to go through that oh, yeah. of, you, now there is a point where there was things I was doing that were hurting my voice that I wasn't even aware of yet. You know, like I would talk on the phone too much. I would, on nights where I wasn't driving even, I would stay up late and just a bunch of things that were just collectively deteriorating my voice. Right. And, and I got, you don't smoke, right? No, I don't smoke. Um, I used to. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I stopped for, uh, also for the old voice. Good. Yeah. No, I, I remember like I'm old enough now. I mean, it's, I'm sure a lot of people that are younger and stuff will think this is so ridiculous, but like I come from the era where most venues, like you could smoke Mm -hmm. and like, that was so horrible for me, like for, for singing. And occasionally, uh, even though it's 2016 now, um, there are still sometimes you'll run into a venue where you're like, really? You can fucking smoke in here? Yeah, especially in uh, Europe. I find Europe's way better now. Europe used to be horrible, though. Like back in, I remember even as late as like 2007 or 2008, I remember there's still like smoking venues in Germany and stuff, but not really anymore. I mean, like Russia, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like occasionally, like I think there's some places in Florida you can still smoke, which is always funny to me because it's like the one place where you can actually go outside and it's not cold or anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're the people that want to stay inside to smoke. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyways, yeah. whenever I run into a, a venue where uh, where they have smoking, I'm just like, oh, God, this is my nightmare. Because it, it, it ruins me. Yeah. Well, luckily, I figured out <clears throat> maybe like two years ago that if you're headlining especially and there is that, like if it's before the show, we just tell them that they have to put no smoking signs up and not allow it because <laughs> I just won't – I mean I will. I, I It's not like we cancel shows if they're smoking, but like I just refuse to not try to get smoking cut because it does. It fucks you up and, ne- and early on, the guys didn't understand that either, but now even for them, they're like – yeah, but it fucking sucks. Like, why? Well, now people are you people. You were used to it, you know. Like, it was you used. To, I mean, fuck. I remember at the mall. Like, you used to smoke in the mall. Yeah. And you'd walk in the mall. It would be smoky, and like no one even batted an eye. Now it's like the second you're in a venue and someone lights up, like it's just like, what is that? Oh god, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like so fucking weird. But we were doing the sign thing uh, as well, and we did it in Germany once. And uh, so they put up the signs. That we told the promoter, and they put up the signs in, in German, and we didn't understand what it said. But I guess it said, no smoking due to the Silverstein singer having allergies. <laughs> but I didn't know it said that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and apparently people were like, fuck this fucking diva, you know? <laughs> and Josh uh, told me he literally saw somebody take – the poster off the wall, light it on fire, and light a cigarette with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, and then I found out what it said, and I was like, oh, man, like, what are you doing to me, man? It's yeah. Just like, You're making me look bad. me under the bus. <laughs> oh, okay. It's my fault. Yeah. But, oh, that's good. So, those were the days, man. Yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, talking about, all we're talking about is, like, the hardships of our, of our, uh, our, our careers, but, I mean... I really want to ask you about your recent injury where uh, 
you fully broke your back, didn't you? Yeah, I broke my my L2, my L3 vertebrae. I broke two ribs, and I bruised my left lung uh, stage diving, (laughs) uh, of all things. And a lot of people thought, because there was some video stuff, people thought that I heard it doing a backflip. And... um, I had some comments, you know, on the some of the shitty websites that there are. Uh, there was like, finally, I knew it would catch up with that dude. And I'm like, that's not actually how I even got hurt. Uh, we were playing Fox Theater in Pomona. Um, yeah. so, uh, awesome venue. It was a um, great tour, huge show, like almost 2,000 people. And I was just super hyped, you know, it's Pomona. So we have like label out management, booking agents, my friends, cause I live here and you know, my girlfriend, like just her family, everyone that I would ever want to play a show in front of and kind of show off for was like, yeah, there. So you're revved up. You're yeah. revved up. Oh, the juices were flowing. And, uh, <laughs> and so last song and I go to the back of the stage and I run. And I jumped off of our risers and I went as far and as high as I could possibly go. And as I'm starting barricade? to fall. Over the barricade? Oh, yeah. Way, way past that. It was like the barricade was like six feet. There was a dude crowd surfing on his back that was almost six feet tall. And I landed past him. Yeah. And so it was like a giant Some leap Carl of Lewis faith. Right there, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I would have won some Olympic medals for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and it like it happened like so fast, but it felt so slow to me because I jump, I look, I see hands like about to catch me, except for one dude, like kind of tucked to his left and put his like arm and elbow up to brace the impact. Yeah. And, and I, it was just I was like, I'm going to hit the elbow. Like, I'm, I'm going to land on this dude's elbow. And I tried to, like, twist, and it hit my lower left back. And it just instantly sent, like, spark. Like, I literally, if you talk to someone who's, like, broke their back or their neck or something, it's like um, like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Like, that's how my eyes looked. Like, I just yeah. saw, like, a spark of, like, lightning, like, went through, like, and I, I went numb in my arms and my legs and I was just like, I had the wind knocked out of me, obviously. Right. And I was just like thinking to myself and I was like terrified. I'm like, did I just fucking get paralyzed? Like, am I paralyzed right now from like the neck down? I was like, yep. from stage diving. Like, and I was just like, my life is over. And it was like, I was be I was caught. So I was like on top of kids and like carrying me around. And I was just like to this one uh, a really big fan of ours who's always tries to catch me, but his name's Gabriel. And he's like 6'5", mm-hmm. like huge dude. And um, I was just like, help me. <laughs> just oh, yeah, like, you, couldn't, you couldn't even say anything because yeah. you were like wind knocked out of you. Yeah, yeah. And, and so and he, he could just see it in my eyes, and he like helped me to the front. But as I'm like coming to, like the feeling started coming back, and I could move, and I was like, I was like, okay, like, well, I'm not, I'm not paralyzed. I was like, that just hurt really bad. And so I actually got back on stage, finished the song and, but like into the song when, if you watch the, the live footage, like the show stops and it cuts off, like right after that happened, I just like fell to the ground. And because I like moved a certain way and it just like my back gave out. 
And I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, that, that, I really hurt my back. And I went to the green room upstairs and I just like laid on my back and I was just like catching my breath. And I was just like, man, that, that was not cool. And, uh, no dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, people don't understand how much adrenaline you get when you're performing to where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what your injury is. You somehow can get through it. Yeah. You know, like I've had, you know, nothing, I've never broken anything, knock on wood, but, um, I've had like some pretty bad injuries too, where I've like, can't believe I finished the set because afterwards I was like, I can't even walk. I can't even move. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so yeah, dude, but you're super lucky. Oh, I, I mean, I've been saying it and it was even my, my feelings of being, you know, super lucky and fortunate were just compounded by the fact that I found out I broke my back like two days later because I was just like, okay, this is not just like a really bad bruise. This is something else. And I went and I found out I broke my back and, um, literally like the next day is, um, is when the ghost inside got hit, um, by semi. And I instantly was like, okay, I like, I have nothing to complain about. I can walk. I'm going to be fine in a few months. And I was like, those dudes, some of them have it so much worse than I do. So it was just like instantly, like I couldn't, I didn't even have time to like feel sorry for myself because I was just like instantly reminded of the fact that I would be able to walk again, normal, that I didn't have to go through like rehab to relearn how to walk or anything like that. And just like how, how much worse it could have been. And so I, I was just like, shit. Do you think, well, I mean, I mean, the biggest thing is that you kept going, like you broke your back and you guys didn't cancel any shows. Yeah. Um, was it, was that partly to do with the fact that the ghost inside had that happen? And you were like, well, I'm still here. Did that factor in? Do you think it it definitely, like I, what I told the guys, cause I went obviously to the hospital and I told them, I'm like, is this something where I need to like fly home? Like am I in danger of, you know, paralyzing myself of pinching a nerve, something. And they were like, well, so the brakes that I have were like completely clean horizontal brakes, which is like the best thing. Um, and because a vertical break would, I would not have been able to do anything, but lay down in a bed for months. Um, but a horizontal it's, calcifying because they're being the bones being pushed back together naturally so that's another way that i was lucky in itself and but the doctor said as long as you don't run jump excuse me a run jump do anything that's like going to risk further damage he's like if you're literally just walking on stage and you're singing and then you walk back off and you're laying down he's like Technically, yes, you you can. I don't advise it. But I was like, okay, well, as long as I can stand there and not do anything, like, I'll try. And and I tried. I did. um, I had done two or two shows after I broke my back where before I found out I did. And then so before the third one, the third one is where I, like, didn't move at all. And, um, I pretty much was like, believe, I can't even believe you were able to sing. Like, didn't you say something you had like a bruised lung or something? Yeah. I I bruised my lung and broke two ribs. How are you even, how are you even able to take a breath? Like I've had minor back pain, like where I've just sort of like, I actually just happened to last European tour. 
I just sort of twisted the wrong way, like mm-hmm. kind of awkwardly, and I kind of like tweaked something in my back. And for like two days, I found it hard to take like a full breath to sing. Like it hurt. It, so I can't imagine yeah. how it felt for you to actually breathe. And, you know, you're not just like you're not singing like soft shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, like you're screaming, you're singing, you're doing all this stuff. I can't even believe you were able to. Did you, it, did you have some did you have some drugs you were taking? Like painkillers yeah. at least? Yeah, I had so that pain, was helping. I had uh, painkillers and muscle relaxers, which definitely helped. Yeah. And, but I mean, it was definitely like really painful, but that was where the ghost inside, like kind of like played a little bit into that more so than just the physical, like choosing to play was just the like fighting through that, you know, because it was just like, this is temporary. It's going to be better. And it, it was bad, but fortunately, like I'm not trying to sound like a badass because I'm not, but I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Like I just always have. I broke a lot of bones in my life, like whether it was playing sports or skateboarding or doing BMX yeah. jumps. Like I always was super active. I've like I've been stabbed, fell out of a tree, I've been punctured like in my <laughs> like side. Like I've had a lot of injuries before. Like and Who stabbed you. My brother. Oh, uh, Jesus. It it was, long story short, it was when we were younger and we were like playing like Peter Pan, but with butcher knives and <laughs> um, we got a little too into it and he stabbed me like right in the chest. Like, but he hit like right on my breastplate, which is like, you know, the best spot, I guess he oh could have. Oh my God. How old and, are you? Uh, like eight or nine. And, uh. So we were more worried about all the blood that was like in the kitchen floor and my mom getting mad uh, at us. How fucked up is that, right? When you're a kid? How yeah. much that, that factors in? <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're going to get so grounded for the blood. Like we weren't even thinking about like the fact that my brother stabbed me with a knife. Uh, it was more about like, we got to clean this up. Don't tell mom. And uh, we tried to, but I got like stitches in my chest. And, it, you know, my mom was just like not mad, but she was just like, horrifically like scarred that that could have even happened and she was like asleep upstairs when you become an adult and you kind of like understand a little more like what your parents uh, you know what they went through yeah sort of understand like when they're mad when they're mad like it's way different than when you're bleeding and you might die like they're not mad anymore they're fucking scared yeah they're terrified you know that's the thing so all of a sudden when you're a kid you're like oh mom's not mad oh she's scared and when you yeah. see your parents scared when you're a kid, there's nothing more scary than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I and because I've had multiple injuries, I've seen that look uh, Ugh, on yeah. more of my mom. My dad's he's super old school. Like he kind of crazy story, but he slipped and fell mowing the lawn when I was like three or four, and his part of his foot got cut off by the lawnmower oh, and he literally just got up and he was like lisa that's my mom's name and he's like can you drop uh tyler off next door we got to go to the hospital i cut part of my foot off like literally just like that just like like had my my mom had to go and like get his like toes out of the yard so that they could like sew stuff back on Ugh. and and he was just like super calm and i guess my whole life seeing my dad go through things like that where he was just always calm when he got hurt 
just it that's like one of the things I guess he yeah. passed on to me of like you've got some like robot genes or something I yeah I guess, I guess like <laughs> that is that is a crazy story uh, yeah and like you know it's just like I mean, I unless just, it's just the shock I, that's wow I mean and maybe that's part of it like maybe you know the shock and adrenaline I mean when you get injured it is true that like your body sends like basically all this it's like the equivalent of adrenaline but it's to shock all the nerves around your injury to make your body feel like you're not as injured as you are um and it's just like a natural thing which is also why like i played a show and when i went to the hospital the doctor was like you actually are going to be in worse pain about a week from now than you are right now and I was going to be off tour when that happened. So right. um, he was like, once your body, like once that thing wears out in your body, he's like, that's when you're actually going to feel like how bad it is. And But he was like, you're going to be at home on on your bed with painkillers. He's like, if you want to, he's like, you won't feel anything. But um, he was like, just be aware of that. So, Well, that's the thing like too. I mean, whenever I'm sick, uh, I always feel like, if I lay around in bed and I mope around and I'm like, you know, don't, don't change in Like I stay in my pajamas all day. I always feel worse than if yes. I just get out. And it's mm-hmm. and what we, we call it in, in our, um, in our camp is we call it, you got to show your body who's boss. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, dude, and it, so it really true. is a thing. Like if you get up and you, you know, you take a little walk and you do some normal things, it's like, it's partly psychological, but I think it's also, you know, uh, uh physical too in that, in that, like, you know, you're kind of getting the blood flowing around and, it, and it's better. Yeah. Oh, but, I, I, I definitely completely believe in that because I, I use that on tour, like, where I just, like, keep going and play shows and show after show. And then sometimes when I get home from tour and I can relax, that's when I'll get sick. And, um, and then vice versa, like, when I'm home and I feel like that, I'm the one who gets up. My girlfriend's more the other side where, like, she'll lay in bed for a few days and I'm like, you you feel terrible. We have the same thing right now. I was like, just yeah. get up, drink some water. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. get some well, fresh air. Different. Yeah, and, and they are, and they they handle things the way that you know they need to and want to. And but I'm totally the type of person that when I'm sick, like I don't want to just lay around being sick. I want to yeah. try to try to fight off whatever it is for sure. So moving forward with um, all your, you know, sh- you got a new record coming out. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be doing lots of touring, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, has this, like, are you thinking about kind of changing your ways a little bit when you get back out there? Or do you think it's going to kind of wear, like, the memory will fade and it'll wear off and you'll be like the old telly again? <laughs> I mean, there's certain things that I'll do again that are technically risky. Um but I, d- I think just being um, just being more mindful of like when I'm choosing to do these things. Like for instance, when I did this stage dive, it was on a support tour where you know we were playing with Motionless and White. They have a much different fan base at times, right. and and also Prada, you know, who has a little bit older fan base. And then there's ours, you know. So like it was all divided up. So if we're headlining. And I'm feeling it, and the crowd knows what I do because there are fans. I'm not gonna sit here and say I never will do something like that again, but I will never do it like depending 
on the type of crowd, I guess. Is- yeah, I understand that. Totally. Totally, man. Like, there's there's times when, when we've done support tours, too, where you, like, look in the front row and the, like, people in the very front couldn't give a fuck like who you are <laughs> yeah. because they were there they were like the first people in the room that's why they're in the front and they're waiting for the headliner and that's they don't you know and they've been getting pummeled by like three bands before us you know with washers yep. and stage divers and everything so so i totally get it and yeah. and you know and me throwing my body out there like <laughs> no good can come of it but yeah, yeah I, I get exactly. that vibe that's that's good no i think uh i think as we get older, we realize there are there start to be some limitations and some consequences yeah. to our actions too. And I mean, that's the other thing. Like you're lucky you didn't hurt anybody else. You know? Yeah, that that was the first thing that I thought about was like when I found out how bad it was. I was like, what if I would have done that to a fan? Having it happen to me is one thing because I'm like, I I caused this. I chose yeah, to do yeah. it. But if I would have done that, that kid or fan or whoever like they didn't go to that show like signing up to get a giant body like dropped on them so it's like even though that stuff happens it's like and you're aware that it could happen to you as a show goer it's not something that like if it does happen to you and you break your back because some idiot jumps off stage like i did then that you're gonna be cool with that you know it's like you're gonna be like scarred as far as like going to certain shows and seeing certain things and i feel i would feel horrible to take away that like kind of naive like where you can just go and enjoy a show and you you're carefree like after that you know because i'm going to always be aware of like my back now i'm always going to have that in the back of my mind of like okay certain things i'm just not going to do or try well the other thing too is like is like now that you've had this injury, like you don't want to re-injure it too. Yeah, exactly. You have to be careful. So, um, dude, cool. Um, well, so you got a new song. I just listened to it. Yeah, trapped. Uh, trapped. Yeah, and and it's out, and I think people can uh, can check out the. It's like it's not a lyric video. It's just sort of like a cool little yeah, ambient thing. Yeah. Uh, but the song's on iTunes. Um, do you have anything to say about the song? Like what's, I, I was getting almost like a Deftones vibe a little bit. Uh, I mean, I love that you say that I, I've heard like multiple different things and almost everything I've heard. I'm like stoked to be compared to some of the bands that we're getting compared to. But I mean, with this whole album, I, it doesn't all sound like trapped. Like every song doesn't sound like that. Um, mm-hmm. but we, we just tried to make like an album of songs that, or almost like the songs we wish you know, our favorite bands would make kind of a thing. Like we wanted to make stuff that we love to play, to listen to that. We also felt our fans would love. And, you know, we just wanted to think about the songs we would potentially be playing for another seven years. And, um, you know, trying to just think ahead instead of just like, only in the moment or what has been like we didn't write anything on the record based off of what we've been or done it's all like looking forward of what we want to do and what we want to be cool so I, i'm stoked i the, and when does the, the record come out great. uh march 18th is when the album dark matter drops dark matter on fearless records yeah 
Awesome, dude. Yeah, well, you guys, you guys got some big tours coming up around there too. Still working on it, or is it, uh, is it all ready to go? Yeah, we have a we have a CD release tour, the Dark Matter tour, um, February nineteenth to March twentieth. We do like that So What Fest with uh, Underos doing their reunion. We'll run. be there. Are you guys playing that show? Yeah, we're playing. We're playing the uh, the Underoath Day. Oh, same. There we go. Samesies. Yeah, I we'll I haven't even had a chance to to review the line because we've been like full like new song and album mode. Oh yeah, uh, I get it. No, it's been a hell. I and to be honest, I didn't know you guys were playing either. Uh, yeah. But it's it's a uh, yeah, it's a hell of a hell of a lineup and hell oh, of a show and and like Under Oath is man like what a great band. I'm so excited yeah. to see them again. Yeah, it's I, I'm glad that they're doing it with Aaron and they're just yeah. the, the whole the whole thing. It's gonna it's gonna feel right. Like I, I think they're gonna get on stage and it, I mean I I've toured with those guys now and you become friends with them and I think they're gonna remember how good it feels to just play songs that thousands of people love to hear every single night and it I, I really man. I really hope the best for them. Absolutely, dude. Cool. One last question. Yeah. Where's the name Telly come from? Um, that I know your name is Tyler, but why? Yeah. Why? Wh- how did that translate? So that that first band I talked about, um, that first local band, when I joined them, their drummer, his name is Tyler, also, and so they're like, ah. "Well, we got to give you a nickname because this is getting too damn hard to uh, <laughs> to tell you guys apart." So uh, they literally, we were at practice. They were trying to come up with a name, and I got a cell phone call and the bass player was like telly but with a e <laughs> literally that was that was it and and i was like i don't know that sounds kind of girly and uh <laughs> and but everyone just kept calling me that and it just like kind of stuck and when i moved out to california i tried to like drop it and go back to just being tyler and but i had already made enough of a name for myself that i'd be like tyler and they'd be like huh and I'd be like, Telly? And they're like, oh, yeah. So I was just like, damn it. Like, no one's going to ever remember Tyler. Like, the, everyone knows, like, multiple Tylers. And I was like, but no one that I know of has the name Telly. So I, it just stuck. And Does now, it about your parents? Um, probably. I know, I, know <laughs> it, I know it does. I know it did my mom for a long time. Um, yeah. But more so because we were at a show one time that she came out to and she kept saying Tyler. And I just like, when I'm on tour, like sometimes I'll go <laughs> other than seeing my family, like there's, I'll go months and months without someone calling me Tyler. And sure. you know, like my girlfriend, her family, all of them call me Telly. Like all my friends that I've met since 2007 know me as Telly, which is the majority of people in my life. And, um, so like my mom would be saying Tyler and I wouldn't answer and she's like Telly and then I looked and she literally looked like she wanted to cry because she was Aww. like because she was like I can't even call you by your name anymore and um and I was like all right mom I was like I I'll try to uh, I'll try to keep it in the back of my mind to always assume that Tyler is for me but it, it's hard it, it's it's yeah. a weird it's it's hard to explain like when someone calls you something every day of your life for months and then there's a few people that you see maybe two or three times a year that call you something else it's it's kind of weird you know but some of my family has adopted telly like my one of my uncles called he just calls me telly now and it's like (laughs) 
And so it's like I like it. I like the name. I think it's cool. I always and it, it's it's nice to have a little like identity outside of just being, especially when your last name's Smith. I guess. Yeah. It's like my my name. How is many Tyler most, Smiths are there exactly. out there? A lot. Like probably millions. There. It's if you were born in the mid '80s, there's a high probability that your name is has Tyler in it at some <laughs> some point. It's like it's. Yeah. So, but it's also cool because whenever I'm done, you know, with this and I want to just go revert to civilian life, I can drop off the face of the earth. Oh, yeah, you can be totally anonymous. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. No. I I, I hope not and as well. And big things with the new record Dark Matter coming out soon. So, dude, um I'll let you go, man, but hey, thanks for uh thanks for jumping on the phone with me. Uh all the best with um your recovery with your back. And with uh, Colby Jack and Pamela, <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll see you at So What? Yeah, I'll see you soon, bud. All right, man. Hey, take care. You too. All right. Later. So there it is, my conversation with Tyler Telly Smith of The Word Alive. I mean, he is very lucky that he wasn't more seriously injured, uh, you know, and it really makes me think, too, you know, about all the times... I've, you know, I've jumped into the crowd. I remember in Germany one time, you know, you're just feeling it. And I uh, jumped right off the stage, probably 10 foot high stage over the barricade. And I smashed right into some girl and I broke her glasses, you know, and, and um, I paid for them. They were, God, Euro, the Euro. It's really, it was really expensive. You know, I, I took responsibility for it. But I mean, just a pair of glasses, you know, that's four or 500 euros, which is bad enough. But I mean, can you imagine if, you know, I did some real damage, you know, where she had to go to the hospital or somebody else did or, of course, if I did. So it does make you think about what we do. And um, I know this isn't going to slow him down because that guy goes about as hard on stage as anybody and he will be back. And uh, I'm sure he'll he'll think a little bit next time, but but he'll never completely stop. I know him too well and uh, he's going to keep going hard. Next week, we will be back with an all-new episode. It's going to be a doozy. Uh, yeah, so make sure you're subscribed, and we will see you next week. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I'm going to leave you with uh, my personal favorite of the Word Alive song. Here is Play the Victim on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. Peace and love.